What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 15 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Wednesday today, February 3rd. Um, you know, end of another week of school. Um, I think this week definitely showed me how I don't want to say hard my classes are going to be this semester. I want, I would rather, um, I'd rather say that, you know, it's just going to take a lot um, more effort on my part this year, as I've mentioned before. Not that I'm not willing to put in this effort. I think it's more more so uh, just being in these higher uh, upper division classes for my major. Um, you know, I think it just kind of comes with it. There's kind of a point when you're um, in college where you kind of just realize you can't really get through, you know, these classes or these courses without, you know, putting in that extra work, putting in uh, that extra time to do these readings. You know, you know, most of my classes this semester are literally one one day a week, uh, two hour, two and a half, two hours and 45 minute classes. And for the most part, they're just discussion. They're 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 not necessarily lectures, you know, where you sit down and you kind of get to, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, what the right answer or wrong answer is necessarily. I think it, I think that's been the biggest change for me personally this semester. It's uh, definitely changed to a more lecture based and just more of a discussion. Um, but I'm not complaining at all. I, I really am enjoying it. It's really motivating me to, you know, do all these readings and take the most I can out of um out of the book out of these lectures with some of these some of my professors who are um you know very accomplished in the field that I'm trying to be accomplished in as well so you know I'm definitely utilizing my resources and I think I think this semester's gonna be great but um without further ado let's get into it you know I, I think it's time that we look at the NFL awards as it will be announced at the NFL Honors on February 6th. And I thought it'd be fun to go down this list of um, the NFL awards and kind of, uh, you know, gauge the gauge um, who I think will win, who uh, I feel is deserving, um, who's probably the clear-cut and obvious choice. Um, but I kind of wanted to go through them and talk about them. I, I think we'll start with uh, the Combat Player of the Year. Um, at the moment, the nominees for the Combat Player of the Year is Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, AJ Green, and Jason Verrett. Um, I mean, obviously, Alex Smith finished the year with uh, 1,582 yards, six touchdowns, and eight interceptions, but... Uh, I mean, that doesn't really take away from the fact that this man had 17 surgeries, damn near died. He had a rehab for 18 months and still somehow, someway found himself back on a football field and led the Washington football team to a 6-1 and one record when he was a starting quarterback and an NFC East championship. Unfortunately, as we all know, he was not able to play in that playoff game, but you know, still a remarkable story, still a remarkable season from Alex Smith. You know, the numbers don't really speak volumes, but the the journey 
that it took for that man to get back onto a football field. And the fact that he was, you know, even playing, I'm sure his family and especially his wife, um, you know, I'm sure every time he got hit, their whole world was, uh, you know, still for a moment as uh, I couldn't even imagine the pain and trauma that not only the injury alone, but all the surgeries and everything that followed with the injury. Uh, and to see him suit back up and go and play for the same organization and the same team and the same field even where he had that horrific injury, it, I'm sure it took a lot of guts on his part and I'm sure it took even more for his family to feel comfortable and allow him to do what he loves. So, you know, if if um, if any if anybody uh, ever has been deserving of this Combat Player of the Year award, it's definitely Al Smith. Um but these other these other nominees are, are are worthy of being up here. I mean, obviously Ben Roethlisberger came off of a pretty serious, um, I'm pretty sure was it a thumb injury or I'm pretty sure it had something to do with his with his hand. But you know he did lead the Steelers to an 11 and 0 start, finished the year with 3,803 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions with a 94.1 rating. Um, obviously the Steelers didn't, um, finish the year the way they wanted to. Um, they, they did have the number, um, they, they had the number three seed, I want to say four seed in the AFC, uh, lost to the Browns obviously in the wild card round. Um, but yeah, Ben Roethlisberger was able to bounce back from that injury, have a pretty, pretty solid year. There were times where, he looks as if he had re, uh, if he had changed his game. He was getting the ball out at a faster rate than he ever had in his entire career. Um, he wasn't really hanging in the pocket as much as he did, and I mean, why the the reasons as to why he has the term Big Ben, um, but you know, still a solid year. Um, like I said, not the way they wanted to be ended, but uh, nevertheless, very very deserving of being on this list. And then you have AJ Green, who also has uh, dealt with nagging injuries here and there throughout his career. What a um, you know what a what a uh, contribution he has made to the Cincinnati Bengals organization in the in the past. I mean, especially in the twenty twelve that that 2012 to 2016, 2016, 2017 span. I mean, I'm not even that man. You know, had had 97 receptions, 98 receptions, 86 receptions, you know, 75 receptions. Like he was the go-to guy in Cincinnati, and you know, a string of injuries since 2018 has kept him on and off the field. Um, but this year, it felt like he was building some rapport with the. Uh, Joe Burrow, he finished the year with 47 receptions, 523 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Um, you know, honestly, uh, those numbers aren't, you know, you know, jumping at you and, um, you know, some w- basically competing with some of these Pro Bowl receivers. But the fact that this man was able to stay healthy this season um, looked as if he's the old AJ Green after coming off that injury of last year, um, it was it was good to see. And you know, we 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 hope for the best for Joe Burrow. We hope that him and AJ Green can continue to build to build this rep- rapport. If 
AJ Green decides to stay with the Cincinnati Bengals, but it, it was good to see that man healthy and back on the field. And then obviously we have Jason Verrett. I mean, he's coming off of three straight seasons, excuse me, of injury. And he, he was able to fill in on that San Francisco defense this year with two interceptions, 60 tackles. And he was definitely a leader at times. I mean, he had to be with Richard Sherman uh, dealing with injuries on and off. But I think this was also a, a feel-good story for me personally. I think uh, it was it was really unfortunate to see what happened to Jason Verrett. I mean, we us as Chargers fans, we saw um, that 2015 season, I believe, um, he was, he was the best corner in the game, pro bowler, um, you know, shutting down the top receivers. And it, it was unfortunate, these string of injuries that happened to him. But he, he got another chance with the 49ers. And uh, it, was, it was really good to see him balling out this year. Um, you know, we, we hope uh, he can come back um, if it's with the Niners or if it's with another team and continue to build on this it's it's always good to see some guys that you know have these injuries for multiple years um and be able to come back and get another opportunity to play the game they love and play it at a high level you know so uh we there's some great great options for combat player of the year this year but like i said this this award if if um if anything should be named after Alex smith you know the fact that this man came back onto a football field to play in an actual NFL game and compete. And he was able to go six and one as a starter. Are you kidding me? He, you know, 18 months after this horrific injury to him after 17 surgeries, like, you know, and the fact that the Washington and he led them to a playoff game. I know he, like I said, he didn't get to play in that playoff game, but he still led them there. And you could tell that that team was a different team when Alex Smith was under center and the fact that he was able to to do that, you know, it's it's definitely admirable, and um, I I just see no reason why he should not be winning uh, this award. But like I said, very solid, um, solid group of guys. Uh, next, next we got the MVP. Um, of course, we have the um, front runner, I would say, and Aaron Rodgers as he finished the year with uh, four thousand two hundred ninety nine yards. 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 121.5 rating, which is only its second of all time behind none other than his 2011 campaign with 122.5. So just it literally exactly one rate, one point rating behind his the best uh, season of all time. Uh, what a year for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I mean, didn't end the way they wanted it to, but 13-3. Um you know, the number one scene in the NFC, I think there's a, you know, especially with um, everything that came out about the Jared Goff trade and how the Rams tried to make a run at Aaron Rodgers. It was uh, good to see that Green Bay stuck with their man and they said not today. He will be here for a long time to come. I think that was a great sign that uh, this Packers can build on these uh, past two seasons being in the NFC Championship game. Um, and I, I think it's um, it's very promising moving forward to uh, hopefully getting that man, Aaron Rodgers, another ring by the time he retires. Um, and then, of course, you know, the uh, second option is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he finished the year with 4,740 yards, 38 touchdowns, six interceptions, and 108.5 rating. 
he was 14 and one as a starter. Um, of course, the Chiefs rested uh, week 17 against the Chargers in a loss, but he he wasn't starting that game, so he was 14 and one as a starter. Um, I mean, the man is simply a yondo in front of our eyes. You know, I, I hate to say it as a Chargers fan, but there's a reason the Chiefs um, are in the Super Bowl again. There's a reason they should have been in the Super Bowl three years in a row, but they unfortunately lost to the Patriots back in 2018 at home. Um, you know, it took a Tom Brady miracle to happen, but it happens. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, is, he's, he's just next level. He's doing his thing. You know, it's, it's as if... You know, I know Aaron Rodgers is the front runner, and you know I truly uh, believe that he's going to win this award. But it's crazy that Mahomes still finished with uh, 4,700 yards and um, you know 38 touchdowns with only six interceptions. I know I know that touchdown number was higher uh, last year, but still, you know, to finish 14 and one as a starter as well, be the number one seed in the AFC. And it's it's almost as if they talk. I mean, I know I I gas Aaron Rodgers up, but Mahomes is not. You know, it, it's on paper. It's he has more yards, but not as much touchdowns and a little more interceptions. Obviously, the rating isn't as high, but um, you know, it for this to be considered like a down year compared to last year, twenty eighteen is. It's just absurd. You know, it kind of reminds me of LeBron. When he, you know, goes like 23, 8, 9, and that's like an off night for him. Or, um, you know, just some of these other great players that we, it's, it's, we've seen them, we've seen them uh, at greatness so many times that anything less than that is just like hard to comprehend. So it's like we have like voter bias in a way. So I think Patrick Mahomes is a baller. I think he still had a great year. Um, the, uh, and the other, um, Nominees are obviously Josh Allen, uh, finished four, with uh, 4,544 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 107.2 rating. Um, obviously, the Bills finished second in the AFC. It was the first playoff appearance in a long time, first playoff wins in a long time, um, you know, an AFC championship game appearance. Um, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills Mafia should should definitely be excited moving forward after after this record breaking year for for them and their franchise um you know Josh Allen I think really took that next level uh leap uh, him and Brian Dabble and that that Bills offense was just clicking it seemed at all times of the season uh the utmost faith in this young quarterback and his ability to throw the ball and make plays um I think that showed and not only their playing calling, but also in just the confidence that Josh Allen played with throughout the year. Um, and I think that's why they were able to get that number two seed. I think that's why they were able to get to the AFC Championship game. Um, you know, I, I think um, there's so, so much to build on with him as well. And it's it's definitely going to be really exciting to see um, how it all plays out. And, and uh, of course, the last, the last option for MVP cannot be other than Derrick Henry, you know, eighth player to join that 2000 yard, uh, rushing list. Uh, he led the Titans, uh, to the playoffs. Obviously they, they, um, were, they lost to the Ravens. Uh, they were the, they were the four seed. They lost to the Ravens at home. Um, he didn't have his best outing, 18 rushes, 48 yards, not, not his best outing, but still, 
Um, you you can't rush for two thousand yards and not be in the MVP conversation. And you know some of the the runs and the just the ability of I I don't even know like pure strength at the end of the day. You know this man Derrick Henry's throwing around these defenders like they're you know little kids on a playground really, and it it's just absurd. Um, and then his ability to just um, you know, I don't feel like Derrick Henry is doing all these crazy moves at the end of the day. I think uh, he's a pure power back. He has, you know, the ability to run through you and make those quick little sudden move uh, moves to kind of get up field and uh, squeeze right by you. Um, you see that so many times on these long runs where it's right up as you know, it's just like an off tackle to the left or to the right. And he's able to, um, you know squeeze through that tackle and boom turn his body and like I said run right through a defender or uh, right through the defense really and it, it's pretty impressive we'll see how Derrick Henry and the Titans offense stack up next year we'll see if they can um, improve their passing game maybe take a little bit of pressure off Derrick Henry um, I saw he had 400 touches again um, or I, th- I don't know if it was 400 touches or it was bats about seasons, and that hadn't happened in a really long time. So I know they're utilizing him a lot, obviously. So we'll see if that that Titans offense can, you know, incorporate more of a passing game or something else to just take the the pressure off Derrick Henry. But like I said, I think Aaron Rodgers um, will win this award. I, I I don't. I think it comes down to, you know, that Packers offense and how they were rolling this year. You know, I think. The 48 touchdowns by Aaron Rodgers to only 46 punts speaks for itself. I mean, him and Devontae Adams were phenomenal this year. Uh, I mean, his just his movement in the pocket, his ability to come off of a play action and really sell that fake, or you know, it, he he's just so good. He's so good. He had such a great year, and I I really want this man to win another ring before he before he retires. But I think I think that the MVP will definitely be going to Mr. Rogers and he will have his uh, third trophy in in that category. Um, next, I wanted to go to Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, we had some pretty, pretty amazing guys this year um, that truthfully would probably win in their respective rookie years if they didn't have to be competing against each other. Um, you know, of course, we have uh, Justin Herbert, you know, finished with 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, seven rookie records broken, almost broke the last one. He was only 38 yards behind uh, Andrew Luck for passing yards. Um, I mean, he did and he didn't even start the first he didn't start the first game. So, you know, who knows what would have happened if he got that extra extra game and especially against the Cincinnati Bengals. But. To be thrown into the game um, with the unfortunate events that happened with Tyrod and, um, you know, to be able to ball out against the Chiefs the way he did. And he kind of just continued to use that momentum forward. It felt like he was getting better each and every week. I mean, I can't even remember. I can't even think of his worst outing. I felt like there were plays that were made by him in every single game this year there wasn't really that 
that one game where it was like, oh, man, that's just the Rook. I, I feel like there were mistakes, of course, here and there. Of course, that fumble in Tampa really sucked right before the half. I feel like that's what allowed them to get back into the game. You know, you have a uh, misthrow against the Chiefs in his first start uh, for that interception, trying to get the Chiefs back in the game um, instead of having that field goal. But, you know, I feel like, like I said, there was, there was like, moments like that where it was like, oh, you shouldn't have thrown that, you're forcing it, or, you know, something like that. But, the, you know, for games and overall, I mean – I just don't, I didn't see a, a weakness in, in, or a weak game, you know. I, I felt like he balled out the entire year. Um, I'm really I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, what the future has in, in store with him. And then let's throw the other Justin. I mean, Justin Jefferson finished with 88 receptions, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, that, that, that broke the record for most yards ever by um, a rookie receiver. Um, I mean... This man also was plagued with injuries, I think, that sidelined him for a few games. Uh, so thinking about the um, amount of yards that he could have possibly had uh, if he if he were able to play those games and, you know, how he would have just blown the that record out, out by a landslide. It, feel, it felt like him and Kirk, Kirk Cousins were building a great rapport. I know there was that one controversial um, video on Twitter where – Somebody was uh, saying what he he had. It, it, it sounded as if uh, Justin Jefferson was yelling at him to throw the ball, and he quickly defended that after the game and said, "I don't want to be. I'm not no diva." Quickly shut that down. Continued to ball out throughout the season. I mean, you don't just get, have 1,400 yards receiving as a rookie, um, you know, let alone a regular receiver, you know, in your fourth, fifth year, whatever it is. So. Um, you know, like another another great um, great example of uh, just how stacked this uh, rookie class. Is. I think if the Vikings are able to keep Adam Thielen, and I, I don't know what they're going to be doing with the uh, quarterback position um, with uh, Kirk Cousins, I don't know if they're going to be keeping him if that's their if that's their guy um, permanently. But um, I think that's that it, it, it's something to build on for sure, especially with Dalvin Cook in the background in the backfield you can't deny that as well so uh justin jefferson though great season um of course you also have to talk about james robinson i mean this man was on all three of my fantasy teams uh so that's how i knew he was balling out i picked him up off weight waivers after week one um when people are like oh shit like this man is actually pretty nice he's you know an undrafted rookie uh, nobody really knew about him going into it, but I mean, he finished, he wasn't able to play week 17, but he was able to finish uh, with uh, 10, 1,070 yards, uh, seven touchdowns. Um, you know, he, you know, uh, of course the Jaguars, it, it, they didn't have the best of seasons finishing at one and 15, kind of being the uh, lower half of, you know, the NFL, of course, but you can't deny, um, you know, what just what, what James Robinson did this season I mean he had the most uh, yards ever by an undrafted running back um it, he was definitely that you know I, I felt like you know after maybe like week six week seven you could definitely tell that offense was ran through him um and you don't really see that a lot um from a non-quarterback uh position especially a, a rookie non-quarterback position 
uh, or player, I mean, sorry, not position. So um, you can't deny that, you know, you can't, you have to include that on the list. Um, that man had a great year. And then uh, the last, the last person that's, that was nominated was Chase Claypool. Obviously um, he is, Chase Claypool was uh, the, the receiver on the Steelers. I don't know why he can't talk. I know um, that towards the end of the season, it was definitely a lot of controversy with him and Juju and, um, you know, the disrespect that um, some opponents were uh, feeling um, as I mean, he and I, I've talked about him plenty of times on the podcast. Uh, he, he was butthurt about the, the Browns loss. But like I said, he, he still had a great season. I mean, he, he had 62 catches for 180, not 873 yards, nine touchdowns, um, you know. Great, great season. That Steelers receiving core was great this year. Um, and uh, that man, Chase Sleepool, definitely uh, put himself on the map. Um, but I think this this award is going to definitely have to come down to both of those Justins that I talked about. You know, I I, um, I don't know. if the Like I said, if these two rookies were in opposite years i think it'd just be so much easier to pit but the fact that they broke the records they did at their respected positions it, it just makes it that much harder of course i want to be biased towards justin herbert um i think the only thing that i could say in regards to why herbert could possibly win over him is he broke more records than justin jefferson did but at the same time i don't know if there's as many records to break as a receiver um but besides that, I'm fine with either two of these guys winning. Of course, I want to see Justin Herbert up there, but Justin Jefferson, you know, 100% deserving of this award if he does win. I wouldn't even be surprised if they had to do co winners here. You know, they, they, these two changed um, some rookie records for real, and they definitely set the bar higher for this Nets rookie class. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't just come often. You know, it, it's definitely. Um, something that I'm sure the committee is going to have to take into account um, just how much these two uh, really balled out in comparison to some of these vets. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm really excited to um, see the outcome of that. And then uh, of course we have the offensive play of the year. Um, we have Derek Henry, which I already mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady. Um you know, for this one, I, I don't really know the criteria of which they vote and how they determine, you know, offensive player of the year in comparison to, you know, like MVP and like the quarterback situation. Um, you know, it often foreshadows the eventual MVP winner. Um, but I, I truthfully think that Derrick Henry should win this award. I know Aaron Rodgers is going to probably win the MVP or he's, you know, the highest person to win the MVP right now, but I think that Derrick Henry, the force that he had on that Titans offense and the juggernaut that he was and the fact that he was able to reach that 2,000 threshold, I feel like that's um, extremely deserving of the Offensive Player of the Year award. I, I mean, you know, you don't just rush for 2,000 yards and um, not have any impact on your team or like what your what scheme you're running you know that that offense was definitely run through him um you know and I, I think that uh 
you know, of course, it's it's tough, you know, like I said, to judge him on the same scale as these other quarterbacks. But, you know, I think that's that's definitely going to have to be um, the award for Derrick Henry. You know, you, you, you can't deny 2,000 yards. Like I said, you cannot deny the impacts that he has on that Titans offense and how much um, how many times he bails them out, you know, in certain situations. So I, I think that that'll that'll go to him. Uh, for the coach of the year, we got Sean McDermott uh, with the Bills. We have uh, Brian Flores with the Dolphins. We have Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. And we have Andy Reid. Um, if I had to choose, I, I would, I would, you know, I, I think that this should be another co-winner with uh, Sean McDermott and Kevin Stefanski. I think Brian Flores did a tremendous job this year with the Dolphins. I think they're inching one step closer to the playoffs to a great you know to a great season you know like a breakout season as we saw in the Bills and the Browns this year and that's why I feel as if you know I'm not saying taking away anything from Andy Reid but you know you you have Sean McDermott and Kevin Stefanski who led two organizations who have been in these humongous droughts you know to the playoffs um, and both of them won a game. I know the Browns didn't beat the Chiefs, and the Bills got that extra win in the playoffs. But, um, you know, these two head coaches led some organizations who have been in the dumps to uh, success this year. And great success. You know, they, they didn't just skid into the playoffs barely. The Browns were rolling. That run game is ridiculous. Baker was balling out. The Bills offense, like I said, is just ridiculous. Josh Allen was playing with another level of confidence. Stephon Diggs is ridiculous as it gets. And they, they didn't really have any running running game this year. It was mostly through, you know, Josh Allen. So I think both of those coaches are definitely deserving of it. Um, like I said, in regards to, you know, the fact that they, they, they uh, had to deal with some other obstacles. You know, I'm sure that that is constantly on you know, your mind as, um, a player in an organization who hasn't made the playoffs in 18 years, hasn't been to, hasn't won a playoff game, you know, let alone, uh, you know, make the playoffs in that long. So I'm sure it was, it was a lot on them and I'm sure it was such a relief when they both made the playoffs. So I, I would be happy to see either one of those guys, uh, those guys make it, but, you know, I'm really excited for the NFL honors. Uh, if you guys don't know, like I said, it, it'll be on February 6th, the the day before the Super Bowl. Um, I think that it'll it'll be good. We that we have a lot of good awards this year. Like I said, a lot of uh, great talent. Great. It was just a great season. You know, it, it was a lot of unprecedented shit. Of course, with COVID and some teams going through hell with uh, testing and having to have players sit and be on COVID and uh the covid ir and stuff like that but you know all in all it was a great season with you know very competitive i i felt as if you know every team um they they just they played their hearts out you gotta give it to them you know and there was so many great storylines this year um you know you can go from rookies to the offense with to the defense and you know there's teams that made the playoffs for the first time in forever and you know, there's some some really great storylines this year, and I I am really excited uh, to see how the Super Bowl pans out, and I'm really excited to see how the league uh, forms next year with this uh, crazy off season that we have um, at our fingertips, ready to go. But um, yeah, and in other NFL news, uh, Brett Favre, I thought this was 
an interesting comment today. Um, he was talking to Yahoo Sports and he was talking about Deshaun Watson and uh, his whole controversy right now with uh, you know his trade, his trade clause being or if he's going to be traded by the, from the Tetsons. And he said, "You get paid a ton of money to do a certain job, and you and just do it. Let the chips fall where they may." I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different day and time, and it'll be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Um, a lot of people were talking about this comment, uh, giving Brett Favre a hard time. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand where Brett is coming from. Uh, you got to understand that Brett Favre grew up in a league where you couldn't really just do the type of thing that you see in the NBA with James Harden and kind of bitching about your contract until you get traded, um, posting on social media, shit like that. You know, I feel like we've seen that in other sports and we haven't really seen that in the NFL. Um, and I think Deshaun Watts and in Deshaun, I mean, maybe there has been cases in the NFL. I'm not saying that there haven't been players that have bitched and complained to management to trade them, but I feel like Deshaun Watson is like one of these first like Nets level talent that like Nets level talents that like literally has more demand than like the Tetsons could deny, you know? He has so much say in that organization because of his talent, because of the level, um, the level of player he is, that he is, in my opinion, allowed to have those feelings. If he doesn't want to play for the Tetsons, he doesn't have to. He's that good. He can sit out, you know, he can literally force the Tetsons to trade him because he knows that he is that good. And I think that's what, um, you know, he... Like I said, I think that's what's going to happen. I don't really see him playing another game in a Tetsons uniform, but it was interesting to see Brett Favre, and, you know, an older quarterback, take his viewpoints on it. I, and like I said, I just think Brett Favre played in a different NFL. I think, you know, if Brett Favre was playing nowadays, um, I think he would probably be the same as that player he was, probably want to stay loyal to an organization. I think that also plays into it, the fact that he was with the Packers for so long. I mean, of course, him and Aaron Rodgers had the whole controversy, but... He never tried to force his way out of Green Bay until that. Like, you know, if he, when it was just him, he didn't try to do what Sean Watson's doing. Because I'm sure, um, you know, there were t points where he was pissed off as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just a different day and age. And like I said, Deshaun Watson just has too much say, too much demand in that organization to not be heard, really. And he can really do whatever he wants. Um, but, yeah, um, Devontae Smith obviously the uh, Alabama receiver who won the Heisman this past year who will be in the NFL draft said that I'll play for whoever but being with Tua would be cool and of course as you know these two were teammates at the University of Alabama Devontae Smith actually caught the uh, game-winning national championship touchdown from Tua um, so of course they definitely have that rapport there um, you know do I personally think that this could happen? Of course it could. Of course Devontae Smith should fall to the Dolphins at number three. Um, but I think the thing that I the thing that the thing that I find interesting about this is the Dolphins have been in talks with Deshaun Watson in a trade. And I know Devontae Smith is saying that he would love to reunite with Tua. But who's to say that the Dolphins if they do get this man, Devontae Smith, who is a Nets-level talent at receiver, who's to say that they still don't trade for Deshaun Watson? I mean, they already have a solid team. 
they already have a you know a great head coach who's created an organization in the Dolphins and a winning culture. They have a great defense. They have key players on the offensive side. You add Devontae Smith to that, and then you trade for Deshaun Watson. I think the biggest risk in that is you possibly would have to give up some assets um, on top of Tua. But, I mean, if we could see, like I'm saying, if we could see a trade happen that doesn't include this first-round pitch, but obviously it includes... Like basically, like kind of like the Rams and Lions deal, you know, you see two, three first first round pits, and maybe a second or third round with Tua for Deshaun Watson, when you already have drafted Devontae Smith and you already get to keep those other guys that are already on your team. I think the biggest, the biggest negative could maybe be like I said, you have to get rid of some of these guys. But if you're able to just pay, trade draft pits and you can still draft at number three like you can this year. I think that could be a great, great move by the Dolphins. I know that they're talking about a possible reunion with Tua, but at the same time, I don't think they'd be complaining once they see Deshaun Watson in, in, in the flesh, and I don't think Devontae Smith would be complaining at all as well. So I think that'll be very interesting to pan out. I'm very excited to see, excuse me, like I said, where Deshaun Watson does end up. I just, you know, you can't deny the greatness that that man has. And I think the Dolphins understand that. And I think it'll be interesting to see if they if they utilize this draft pick um, to better themselves in that trade situation. Um, another quarterback who wants out um, is Carson Wentz. Um, you know, he reportedly still wants out of Philadelphia, even though I, I, even after they have their new coach get hired and say he's excited to work with him and Jalen Hurts. Um, his PFF grade ranked year by year. I just wanted to go through this. Since he's been the starter in 2016, 2016 was 69.9. That was 21st in the league. And 2017, which was his best season by far, he was 84.9. That's fifth in the league. And ever since then, it's been on a slow decline from uh, 79.4 in 2018 to a 76.5 in 2019, which was both 14th in the league to this past season being 65.0, which was 31st in the league. You know, I think at this point, Carson Wentz was completely drained from Philly, um, and it's unfortunate. But I think that if you know if you're talking that Carson Wentz that was in the MVP conversation before he got hurt, you know, like and maybe that off season the Philadelphia Eagles decide to stick with Nick Foles and they want to move on from Carson Wentz. I think his value is so much higher than it is right now. You know. He's coming off of some really, really bad years. Um, you know, you get benched for a third. You know, you get benched for Jalen Hurts, and you you just bitch and complain. I just don't think that helps at all. Like, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting as well where Carson Wentz goes. You know, you see a lot of this. Like I said, this free agency for quarterbacks is going to be pretty ridiculous. Um, but Carson Wentz is nowhere near the talent that Deshaun Watson is. So I, I think it'll definitely be interesting to see who really wants Wentz. I think he can still succeed. I think he needs a new culture for sure. I think Philadelphia has taken everything out of him. Um, to see your team win the Super Bowl with like without you, like in the year that you were gonna like win the MVP and everything, I'm sure that hurts. And I'm sure you felt as if like, you know, you could still be that level of player. And I'm sure you know that's in his mind. But I think it'll definitely be interesting to see where this man ends up. Um, and lastly, 
the best news of the day. Uh, Phil Rivers actually joins Nick Hardwitz podcast the other day and said that he had a great talk with uh, the Spanos family and he once the new year uh, the new lead year happens in March he will be retiring a charger um, you know I'm very very excited about this news um, I think that at the end of the day it's only right you know Phil Rivers is our franchise's best quarterback of all time um you know, I, I know that last season it was an unfortunate end to this long journey, but I think that, you know, it's a, it's a good sign for our organization to do something like that. You know, Dean Spanos and the Spanos family already gets enough hate, um, you know, for, for, trust me, for reasons that are deserving. But, you know, doing shit like this um, is definitely, definitely good publicity, definitely uh, on top of the good publicity, just the right thing to do. You know, this man gave his heart and soul to your organization and was the centerpiece for 16 fucking seasons. And, you know, if he wants to retire a charger and even, even if he doesn't want to retire a charger, you better be calling his fucking phone and telling him that that is an opportunity that he is allowed to have whenever he wants. So I think that is great to hear. I am very, very excited for Phil Rivers to retire a charger. It was tough to see him in a Colts uniform this year, but he balled out. Um, you know, he did his thing, um, and I'm, I'm really happy for him, uh, and I'm really happy to see, uh, you know, number 17 retires the charger, like I said. But, you know, on to, to some uh, NBA news. If um, you guys did not know, the NBA is actually in agreement for a March 7th single night event that will be the all-star game. And that'll, you know, be a game for the East versus the West and also skills competitions. They were um, in conversations with uh, how this will work with COVID testing. And um, it looks as if the NBA would take a week off completely. Um, if they were to do this, um, in my personal opinion, I think that it's a great, you know, to have the all-star game and everything, but I think the biggest thing that, um, the biggest reason as to why I would be okay with this all-star game and this climate and this season would have to be to give these players a break that, you know, don't get, make the all-star game. If, if they're going to have to do the testing the way that, they need to do in order to ensure that this all-star game will be as safe as possible. You know, it'll give these other players that aren't going to be in wherever, or what did I say, Atlanta, um, the opportunity to just chill at home, you know, enjoy a couple weeks off. I feel like these players, especially the teams that made the bubble, uh, deserve that, especially after a very short offseason, the shortest offseason in uh, sports history. Um so I think that's why at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's not the right, I wouldn't want to say the right climate to do it in, but at the same time, um, it's, it's going to allow these other players to, um, you know, get some rest and, you know, be able to just have some more time at home with the family. Um, 
I'm sure their families would appreciate that. And uh, having them home more, uh, you know, the NBA season's a grind. And, you know, I'm sure that it's, you know, scary for some of these families to see their husbands go. Um, it's like the, the Lakers. They, you know, they came off a seven-game seven road trip, about 13, 14 days total. You know, I'm sure uh, seeing your husband travel to all these different cities to play basketball isn't, you know, the most fun thing to see and watch. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is their job and they, you know, it's it's their profession. They're, they're making money doing this. But like I said, I think that's the biggest reason why I'd okay it. I think that it's great that these players would get some off time. Um, that don't make it and I also think it'll be great for the fans and great for also the players that do make the all-star game to you know kind of have that feel of a regular season making the all-star game having that all-star appearance I think that'll still be good um, but yeah I think this I think the NBA um, as we've seen before will handle this with um, the utmost care and um, precaution towards it and I, I have no doubt that if this is uh, confirmed and a, a thing that it'll be as safe as possible and it'll be good. It'll be the real deal. Um, speaking of more NBA news, the Nets the uh, last night got a win over the Clippers. They were able to hold off and get a W, 124-120. to Kyrie Irving put on a show. He uh, put up 39 points. Sits threes, 15 for 23 from the fields. Um, you know, just putting Kawhi Leonard and spin cycles uh, over and over again. Um, you know, I, I just, I find it, you know, I know that I was talking about how the Nets need to improve on their defense. But I think it was just funny to me when um, some of these other sports shows like First Take and undisputed uh i mean in particular stephen a smith i love the man but the fact that after their loss to the wizards he said he's nervous about them and then their win after the clippers he's saying that they're gonna coast their way to the finals <laughs> i think um you know these talk shows are definitely to entertain the mass the masses and just you know i think it's kind of obvious sometimes that um Matt's or Stephen A. Smith has to take a side that is just like, what do you mean? You really think that? Like you really agree with that? But it's good TV, you know, it's controversy. It's two guys talking sports the way I try to on this podcast, the way that, you know, um I know a lot of my me and my friends are just talk casually like that. And there's always gonna be, you know, controversy and um, there's always another side, so I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong, but I just thought that was funny that um, it's like jumping ship for the Nets, but now it's like, no, no, we're good. We're good. Like, we're, we're smooth sailing through the East. Um, but this was a good win by the Nets. They were, towards the end of the game, they were up by three, um, and they just kept fouling the Clippers. They did it on three, three straight possessions. They would just foul them to shoot two free throws instead of, um, having a possible three-point attempt uh, to win the game. Um, I think that if I was a coach in the NBA that, you know, if my assistant coach told me to, like, you know, think about doing that or, you know, that's a possibility, I, I think that, truthfully, I would feel like su a, such a bitch 
but at the same time, it's so smart. You know, you're up by three. You're putting this man on the line to only shoot two. Um, and you just, I think when you're the Nets, you have Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden who can shoot free throws, you know, at an 85-plus, 90-plus percentage. You know, you just have the utmost faith that your guys are going to make those free throws. So, you know. They 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 were able to hold them off. I'm I, I'm very um, interested to see how their defense and just their team camaraderie continues to um, evolve throughout the season. Um, you know I, I think it's still just way too early to tell like the true potential that this bid three can meet. You know it's, they they're together for three, at least at least three seasons. So um, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited. Uh, I, I love to see the Clippers lose, so that was always nice. Um, but, yeah, the Lakers are at it tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been a great episode. I hope you all enjoyed listening. Um, and we will talk Super Bowl. We will talk my predictions, what I'm most excited to see. And that, of course, includes Mr. Abel himself, The weekend and what I'm expecting from his performance uh, but we'll talk about that on Friday. And like I said, thank you all for listening. This has been Gino Spirito on the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much.